The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. Engaging conversation with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Breaking news with Eileen Bell and sports with Morley Scott. This is the Afternoon News on 630 Chad, Edmonton's breaking news and conversation station. 308 here on the 630 Chad Afternoon News. Jalen Nye, Andrew Gross in until 6 with you. And now, as we mentioned off the top of the show, an interesting guest, uh, death and dying, something many of us aren't comfortable talking about. Our next guest says we need to have more open conversations about death and grief. Rain Johnson is a death doula and end-of-life consultant right here in Edmonton. She joins us this afternoon. Hi, Rain. Thanks for joining us. Yes, thank you. We're really thrilled to talk to you this afternoon because... um, you know, it's both different. Of, it, well, it's a different conversation, but mm-hmm. I think it's an important conversation. And, and both of us have gone through situations recently with the loss of. Well, I'm going through it right now. Yeah, right now, and my father-in-law had passed away about a year and a half ago. So, um, can you start by telling us what is a death doula? What do you do? Mm-hmm. So, a death doula. The term doula derives from an ancient Greek word meaning woman of service. And it could also include men. It just so happens it does seem to attract a lot more women. But a death doula is we're really working with reclaiming our relationship with dying and death care and opening up these conversations and just promoting and supporting people to, to be able to talk about and giving you know, creating venues for like death cafes that have held in Edmonton and people have been doing it all over the world now to create a safe place for people to talk about it. And um, so I work with clients on a non-medical role, but I often collaborate. What I really like doing is collaborating with other healthcare professionals. So we really create a holistic way of being with those dying. And sometimes I'm basically supporting more of the families rather than the dying person, but I do both. So, so let me stop you there. Thing, I, I, I yeah. want to really understand the <laughs> conversation that you want people to have is with the dying person or you want to encourage dying people to say what's on their mind or what is it you're trying to facilitate? Good question. So <laughs> both. With, um, so with my father, you know, he often wanted to talk about it, but some of my family wasn't really you know really comfortable with it so i was the one that would sit with him and he really needed to speak about his fears or other clients really do want to talk about their fears or their concerns for leaving their loved one behind Uh, sometimes they know that their children can't um, go to those conversations so i may do that or opening up conversations even for like yourselves who might be going through someone who's dying now or has had a death but never had a chance to speak openly about it. It's like, oh my God, my aunt died and this happened and this happened uh, and I don't want that for myself. You know, so getting clearer as to what their options and choices and legal rights are so that people can choose what they they want to participate in, in dying and death care. So because what I really see is that life and death is a package deal, right? But we have separated it so much because we have medicalized dying and we have institutionalized death. And what I mean at the time of death and the death care. So that has actually, I, what I've seen is separated us from life. 
And and so people, a lot of people don't even want to go and visit the dying loved one mm-hmm. because they don't mm-hmm. want that last image. And that's fine too. But it's like they just people don't want to go to a funeral home, say, and organize their set their funeral up um, because they think, oh no, no, I don't need, I don't want to go there. Hmm. You know, it's uh, it's interesting. We I was listening to some other interviews with you, and I've been on your on your website, and you talk about uh, what it is to make sure that the person who um, is dying, if they you know voice their wishes on on what they would uh, like to have for a ceremony or anything like that, but the family as well. And when my when my nephew Jasper died, it mm. was it was a really interesting thing. He was fifteen, sixteen years old. Um, with some Maori roots, so from New Zealand, and um, his parents had Jasper mm-hmm. in the house, mm-hmm. in a casket, in the living room for two days. Mm. That was that was something, and it was never left alone. Someone was always there with him, but they wanted people to come to the house because they thought it was a better situation would feel better than let's say a funeral mm. home something like something like that but it was it was a tradition mm-hmm. um that was very different you know for someone like me walking into it but once it was there it was it was really quite lovely and gentle there, there was something really beautiful about it and i know some people might think oh that's just creepy um mm-hmm. but that was a part of their their death plan um of the death plan of the dying plan and and they did it and and it worked so well for them mm, beautiful yeah i just finished working with a family they knew they wanted their you know 93 year old father to be at home that he had cared for him for years and years and they knew that he was getting close. They called me in just to say, you know, what can we do here and how are we going to do it? And they wanted to keep him at home after. And and uh, so it ended up, like you say, it was a beautiful process. And the young teenager, the granddaughter, she got to make a little shrine in the room. She got to personalize it. And the mother, you know, said that it helped to normalize death. Mm-hmm. But they had to do those bit of planning ahead, you know, like that's the important piece of advanced care planning to have that, like you say, the death plan. And it's nothing is cookie cutter. Like mm-hmm. there is no one way to do it. Um, same thing as a birth plan. Sometimes you make a birth plan and they, it changes. Same thing with a death plan. They might want to have a home, you know, be at home and something happens, they panic, they have to be rushed off to the hospital, but things are changing here. There is a lot more people, like 70% of people want to die in their own home, and about 20%, or it's increasing now, do. And a lot of that is because they haven't they haven't made clear what their wishes are. Hmm. You know, Rain, when uh, I saw you booked as a guest this afternoon, my fear mm-hmm. was I wouldn't have enough questions <laughs> for you. And now my fear is we're not going <laughs> we're to have enough, enough time. time. <laughs> so I want to ask you this, um, and there's so much I want to ask you, but I want to ask you this. So my father-in-law, when he, before he passed away of uh, cancer, mm-hmm. um, and we were quite close, and I asked him one day, if he felt cheated. Um, And I wasn't sure if it was a good question, a fair question. I wasn't sure if it was something you want to talk about. But I asked him, do you feel cheated? Mm -hmm. And I've never forgotten his answer. It was, he he almost brightened up and said, oh God, finally somebody asked me. Yes, I feel (laughs) cheated. He he did feel cheated. He had quit smoking 30 years ago. He really had taken care of his health. And he was going to die of lung cancer. And and he felt cheated, Mm -hmm. right? Mm. Uh, And and he talked about it. And he knew he was dying. And 
and and he didn't have regrets. It wasn't like he wanted to go back and never smoke, or he wanted to. He just felt cheated. But I've recently visited my mother, who's now in palliative care, and I, I'm honestly just waiting day to day yeah. to get the phone call. And and in the last conversation I had with her, she said, don't give it another thought. I'm going to live to 100. She's not. And she must know she's not. We know she's not. Is one of them right and one of them wrong? Or are they just different ways of handling it? Totally different ways of handling it. You know, and, and for your father-in-law to just be able to to express that he felt cheated, you know, or your, your mother feeling, or mother-in-law or mother? No, mother mother right um you know and she believes that she's going to live to be 100 it's like that's her truth right now but i think that it's so important that um people are able to just sit and hold that space for those that are dying in whatever whatever place they're in like my father knew he was dying and we had great conversations we had a lot of laughter we had we could we we were able to participate uh in in helping with him so nothing is right or wrong. Like even when I talk about, like I like to talk about sustainable uh, death care and sustainable dying. Like with the baby boomers and the silver tsunami, like I can't tell how old you two are, but with our silver tsunami right now, we are in for a ride in terms of our health care. Like mm-hmm. a huge amount of dollars goes into end-of-life care. Like the last six weeks of, of uh, people's lives because of all the choices that they end up making and realizing why did we go take rush mom off to get that test done when we knew you know we just we knew that she was dying and not just in the dying process and the medical choices that we make but what we are doing in the death care trade like in terms of burials i mean i Mm -hmm. i could we could talk another 20 minutes on green burials and natural burials and what the choices are that we have and don't have and looking at our values, I think that's the really most important piece in advanced planning is for people with, with, before they do their personal health care directive. It's like, what are their values? So our values that we have in our life usually carry into our dying process. And so whether we like the, you know, the BMW, yeah. the Audi, you know, whatever, that, then that's perhaps the kind of dying and, and funeral that that person likes or, or wants. And again, or someone might want the cardboard casket. Yeah. But so many people are loosely saying, eh, just bury me in the lower 40. Well, you can't do that anymore. Mm-hmm. You know? Rain, you talked about uh, holding space, and mm-hmm. I wanted you to circle back around to that because I, I love the idea of holding space, um, and I think... Th- that maybe a lot of our listeners or some of our listeners might not know what that term means. Mm, Can you explain you. what holding space means? Because as a death doula, you are holding space uh, mm-hmm. quite often. Mm-hmm. I am. So holding space, yeah, thank you for asking me to clarify that because I can use it. So, you know, it's a jargon, right, in some ways. It's really, again, for people to be able to be that comfortable, to maybe just sit by the bedside, like this 103-year-old that I supported in January, I more supported her her daughter, but I sat a lot of, you know, overnight and during the day with this 103-year-old, and sometimes we would just hold hands. Uh-huh. And that's all it was. Even though I'm a skilled massage therapist for 30 years and now work more in palliative massage, I didn't really have to, I didn't have to massage her. I just held her hand, you know? And so that to me, and just be in the silence. And just be in in their breathing or encourage them to uh, 
relax with their breathing, whatever whatever place they're in, that that's what I sit with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's an interesting concept, and yeah. And um, how is there a training for death doulas? Yeah, another great question. There's trainings popping up all over the place, like in North America right now, or just in Canada alone. A couple of years ago, we had maybe 20 of us on the Facebook page, and now there's more than 4,000. Wow. In mm. in the States, um, same thing. Like, there's a whole, there's different associations popping up. So there's trainings happening uh, online. There's in, in, in-house, um, you know, workshops. And that I get calls, like, almost every week for someone that's interested in becoming a death doula. So there's resources I give them. I do teach, but I teach more just educating those options and choices and legal rights that people have, and then um, other holistic approach to end-of-life care, so more, again, that non-medical model. Uh, I have to ask uh, if this open conversation that you're having with someone who's dying happens Mm -hmm. to turn to assisted suicide, if that's something that they want. I think most people are unprepared for that conversation, wouldn't know what to do with that conversation. What are your thoughts on that? Well, so if I could just correct you, first of all, it, it is medical assisted in dying. Um, so it, when we first started to have language for it, it was assisted uh, suicide. So it is, you know, the medical assisted in dying or assisted in death, so made. And I haven't worked with anybody that has chosen that. And the conversation has come up every once in a while. Definitely at the death cafes that I host or death chats that I host, people want to talk about it. Hmm. And and that's been increasing, um, you know, people choosing that model or at least having that choice. And what I've heard, too, is that the people that actually have got the green light have filled out the form and got the okay Uh, Many of them choose not to go that route because what happens in the process is that they realize they've gathered more of a community. They've gathered the support. They've gathered the the wisdom or the education enough to say, okay, wait, I can do this. You know, so it just leads to me thinking that, yes, the community death care really does make a difference or having families and communities more aware of what more they could do so if someone chooses to die at home, they could bring that casserole over before the death, right? Or, hey, I'll mow your lawn, or I'll, you know, do whatever for you. Um, so it's really not about me doing all the work, but just suggesting, you know, you could think about doing this, or, or you know, choose this, or yeah. have your friends come in and sit vigil rather than than hire me do you know uh, we're almost out of time but i but i just want to i just want to suggest i'm sure you would agree but i've actually been asked to do three eulogies now Uh. and Mm. uh in the case in all in the case of all three i've been asked by the person who's dying and you know the case of all three i've written them in advance and read them to the people Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I really recommend it. <laughs> I really do. Um, Good for you. Yeah, it really, honestly, cheers them up to hear mm-hmm. how what your perception of their life is. Yeah. And and they also share with you something you didn't know. You know. Yeah. Uh, a point that you had missed, or they correct a specific piece of information, or you just give them peace of mind that that eulogy will be a good one. 
Mm, for sure, yeah. That's it's so great that you've been asked to do that. I mean, there's, yeah, it's so interesting. So I have a colleague that does, you know, does workshops on people coming to do their write their own eulogy. One time I was hired by a couple. He knew he was dying. He was at home. I went in. I didn't know what they they wanted, but all of a sudden he says, "I want to write letters to my daughter, my to, my children." Hmm. So I I said, "Well, let me write them." So I started to informally write them on a scratch piece of paper and left them with her with him. And I went back three times, and then um, that was it. And then I contacted them after and after he had died, contacted the wife, and I guess they wrote, they read those letters at the service. Mm. Ah, nice. Rain, uh, it's fascinating work that you do, and I think that anyone who uh, works at, with uh, end-of-life care um, are just, uh, they're just angels, to be honest with you, the the, the work and the, the gentleness that uh, is needed for that job. So thank you for mm-hmm. what you do. Um, mm-hmm, if people want to find out more about the work, is um, your website, doingdeathcarederifferently.com? The mm-hmm. best one. So doing yeah. deathcare differently.com or just pop in Rain's uh, name, R A Y N E Johnson. And uh, there's lots of great information there. Thank you so much yep, for joining thank us. You know, uh, Jay, speaking of death, and uh, I would just make mention of it again. We talked about it uh, last week. Uh, when choosing an executor, if, mm. if I might advise, and of course, <laughs> as you know, I'm going through this right now. My mom's not gone yet, but expecting a call anytime. Anytime. Yeah. Um, so we don't even have a will to work off to of. work off of yet. Um, but it's a real nightmare. Mm-hmm. And, and my suggestion, again, and I'm not a lawyer, but my suggestion would be to get a lawyer. I think it would be worth, as your executor, I think it would be worth. Um, the peace of mind, uh, it would be worth whatever you have to pay for a lawyer to do that, not to have brothers or sisters fighting with uh-huh. one another over the will or the terminology or what okay. should be done. And you know, Get the will done. For will sure, done. get a will done. Yeah, absolutely. The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad.